My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a very cool winter morning here in the capital, but joining me on today's programme to hopefully add some brightness to affairs today is Matthew Farmer, founder and managing director of Emerging World. Emerging World is a business specialised in designing immersive experiences that change perspectives to shift business and shape a better future. Um, Matthew, very warm welcome to yourself, and by all means, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much, Scott. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure for us having you alongside us as well. Um, now, just for those regular listeners tuning in that might not be familiar with um, Emerging World, I've sort of given a very brief overview. You're very sort of specialised in immersive experiences. Um, but what is it in your own words that you would say that you do, and what is sort of the impact of Emerging World? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, the, the um, uh, I guess the, the way to think about the work that we do is, is in terms of experiences. So what we do is, is largely create experiences for people who work um, inside very large organizations um, in which they're able to use their skills and experiences and expertise um, to help um, other organizations, particularly the small businesses um, and nonprofits around the world. Um, as part of their own sort of learning um, or corporate volunteering um, uh, experience. But, so that's, you know, that's what we do. And the business has been around in some form since 2003, hasn't it? I understand it was initially adopter business before sort of being rebranded sort of later on in life. Um, what was sort of the original idea behind the business at that point? What sort of made you think that going and sort of building this agency was going to be the way forward for you? Yeah, brilliant, um, Scott. Thanks, thanks for for asking. I, I think the um, you know, the inspiration for me setting up the organisation was actually a volunteering experience that I had back in two thousand and one, uh, and um, I was uh, travelling around the world um, on a sort of year that I had managed to carve out for myself between my sort of previous career in sort of sales and marketing in a in a publishing um, business. Um, uh, to and an MBA that I managed to um, get a place on at um, IESE or IESE Business School um, in Barcelona. And I was traveling around the world doing all sorts of interesting things. Um, and I found myself in Mexico. I was there sort of trying to learn a bit of Spanish before I moved to Spain. Mm. Um, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is some kind of worthwhile charity project. Um, and uh, I found myself um, uh, working for or volunteering for um, an organization um, working in uh, microfinance or microcredit, um, which um, may be a bit more um, familiar to, to people now since Mohamed Yunus won the Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts with Grameen Bank um, a few years ago. But, but certainly at that time was, was very new to me. And, and it was basically about loaning um, small amounts of money to um, groups of women um, who couldn't access um, any kind of credit from the formal financial system through which those women develop their own income generating um, opportunities. For me, that experience totally sort of changed the way that I saw the world on its head. Um, so I'd always thought that business was about making money. Um, the sort of development work um, was all about doing good for the world. The, the two things were, were, were really very separate. And yet here was this non-profit that I was working with that was loaning money, which I think is what banks do, 
um, what seemed like quite high rates of interest, which I felt a bit disconcerted about. It felt like a loan shark um, kind of operation to, to me to begin with. Um, you know, to groups of, of, of vulnerable women, and I was, I was, and yet, yet calling this development, and, and I was, yeah, I was, I, I found that sort of, um, you know, my, my head was trying to make sense of it, basically, in the, in the in the first sort of week or two that I was there. But what I came to realise at the end of that experience was that, um, yeah, actually, what was happening was that these women did not have access to any kind of opportunity to put their ideas and plans for. Yeah, making money and supporting their families into practice. Um, and um, what this access to credit did for some of the women, not all of them, was really unleash the entrepreneur inside of them um, and enable them to support themselves, their families, and their communities. Um, and um, as I reflected on that experience at the end, um, I sort of thought to myself, you know what, what I've been through here is really, sort of, first of all, challenge the way that I think about the world. Um, and that actually, maybe there can be businesses out there that really perform um, strong social purpose, um, as well as you know, being, being a business. Um, but also, maybe these kinds of experiences could be valued by other people. Uh, and as I went through that sort of thought process at the end of this five-week period, I remember sitting on a step um, outside this sort of little office in a, a town called Puerto Escondido in, in, in Oaxaca State. Um, and the sort of dogs were sort of barking around as they do in that part of the world in the sort of late afternoon sunset. And I was thinking to myself, um, you know, what would be great is if you could get people who had really up-to-date skills to go and help these small businesses and nonprofits. But, you know, the real challenge is that those organizations, uh, well, those individuals rather, you know, they've probably got a job. You know, they're not weren't like me who just sort of happened to be between mm. situations. You know, most people are not in that situation, you know, that, that they have a job. So how could we persuade people who's, you know, got a job to be able to go off and, and do this kind of thing? Um, and I thought to myself, well, um, really that's about, you know, what is the value proposition for a company to let their people have these kinds of opportunities? And as I reflected on that, of shift in my own thinking, that challenge to my worldview that I went through, I thought to myself, maybe there's some kind of learning experience that we could create for these um, companies that would enable them to send these individuals off and have these rich experiences, fulfilling experiences personally, but also um, valuable learning experiences that they could bring back and, and, and use in their career. And, and that was the seed of the idea, really. And um, I sort of parked it there. Um, but then I, I, I sort of finished my traveling, went to business school and, and had time and connections and, and skills sort of fed into me to, to really sort of help me um, develop that idea further. And, mm. and, and, and so that's, you know, that's what I did. You know, when I finished in 2003, basically um, what I wanted to do is, 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 is get this set up, and 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 that was the that was the start of um, yeah, it was the start of the journey. Yeah, of course, it seems certainly that the connections you'd made had really sort of helped in building your own business. And would you say sort of that exposure that you had and experience that you also enjoyed of kind of working in different cultures? Do you think that that also sort of really enriched you and helped you along your business journey as well? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I, I mean, I think you know 
experiences where you are placed inside a different culture, whether that's a sort of national geographic culture or whether it's an organizational culture, but somewhere where you're somewhere different. I think they're very rich experiences. They're very powerful experiences. They stay with you for a long time and they have huge potential for learning. Um, so, you know, I sort of, I guess encourage people to have those experiences, um, but also, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I guess what our organisation does is is enable people to have those kinds of experiences and structure them in a way in which you know they can they can learn from them. So I absolutely absolutely believe in that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, thinking about as well, um, sort of the fact that you have helped in sort of various different ways, different people kind of build up their own businesses, obviously, through two very different experiences, the initial one that you talked about, and then also now your own business. Um, Without sort of giving too much away, obviously, if you had to kind of give some advice to any sort of budding entrepreneur out there to really sort of start on that road to success, um, what advice would you give them to really sort of get them on that right track to start off with? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so I remember in the in the early days of of setting up the organisation, there's, there's probably one thing that in the short term felt like the wrong thing to do, but but ultimately was um, you know the right thing to do if, if you like. So mm-hmm. um, and and I guess that there's a there's a sort of wisdom that I came across along the way, um, which is, you know, find something that you're truly passionate about. And then, you know, if you you indulge in that passion, then, you know, you will find a way to make that work for you um, as, as a vocation, you know, as a, as a business. Um, And uh, in many ways, because it won't really seem like work. Uh, It it will just be, you know, the the thing that you're passionate about. Um, and, and I think I think that's you know I think that's great. The, the the sort of the conventional business wisdom you know sort of says you know find a real market opportunity um, and exploit it in a better way than anyone else is doing it. You know, um, great entrepreneurship is often not about coming up with something um, entirely new, but finding um, a way to do something that people are already doing significantly better so that was the sort of conventional you know wisdom from 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 that point of view um and i felt many times during perhaps the first sort of three or four years of of setting up this business that actually um that yeah i i didn't have a better way of doing something that people are already doing before mm. but i was absolutely passionate about what i did and, and it meant a huge amount to me and so while you know from a conventional business point of view i'm not sure that it was ever an attractive business to other people outside for me personally it was um it had enough to really keep me going until you know a point in time when you know, we were able to develop, you know, a track record, a way of doing things um, uh, that, you know, uh, enabled, you know, a sustainable, you know, successful business to sort of take root. Yep, certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective. And um, I suppose when it comes to that entrepreneurial spirit that you sort of talked about and referenced there, 
I think we've seen that really in abundance over the uh, the last couple of years, especially, haven't we, given how well that industry, business at large, has adapted to one of the greatest challenges of our time, which has been, of course, the challenge of the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And I suppose we've all had to kind of adapt in one way, shape or form to that. Um, how has that challenge affected your business, if at all? Um, have you sort of found yourselves having to sort of change the ways that you operate in order to kind of get around some of the obstacles that it's thrown your way? Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, I would say before the pandemic struck, 95% of the experiences that we provide were in-person experiences. And you know, since the pandemic, we've not been able to do any in-person experiences. So you know, we had to find a way to create powerful um, virtual experiences. And, and that you know, has really been the story of the organization over the last couple of years is um, you know, being able to, mm. to, to find a way to do that. Yeah, fantastic. And um, have you sort of found yourselves really sort of getting to grips well with that challenge? And do you feel that you've sort of learned an awful lot from the experience of having to adapt that way? Yeah, um, I, I think the, um, uh, the process of you know, being forced to really think about how do you create a virtual experience and, and has enabled us to go in, in, into depth with that and, and actually you know, tap into um, a joy, really, around creativity and finding new ways of doing things that um, yeah, perhaps I hadn't, hadn't realized or had lost, lost some connection with sort of over, um, over the years. So I actually found it a very enjoyable experience. Um, and ultimately, it's been quite a, a fruitful experience and it's led to um, all sorts of learning um, and, and you know, it's been a positive thing. Now, I'm, I'm really excited about you know, being able to bring people you know, back together in, in, in the physical company again mm. and, and doing the kind of profound you know, perspective shifting work in person that we used to do. Um, but I think the virtual experiences that we've you know, managed to develop um, are, also have a, a really valuable place and, and enable you know, people, no matter where they are, to come together um, and learn from each other, um, leverage it, diversity, um, encounter sort of cultures and different ways of, of thinking much more easily um, than doing something in person. So mm. I think they absolutely have a place as well. Um, mm. and, and certainly richer for it. Um, the, the thing perhaps I, I want to elaborate on is though that, you know, for our organization, I think there are two big, you know, seismic sort of global shifts that, that we've had to navigate as a small business. Um, you know, the first was the financial crisis, you know, mm. sort of in 2009, 2010. Um, and our business model had to completely change then. Um, and I think what, but we came through it and we came through it stronger and more successful. I think what that did was give me the confidence, you know, during um, the pandemic that we'd be able to navigate this because we'd done it before. So whereas that first time around, you know, that was really very scary in 2010. I think possibly when I look at it now, it's not, um, you know, maybe scarier than I actually knew at the time, but it was definitely really, really uncertain from a business point of view. Whereas this time I kind of felt, well, we're resilient. We've been through it before. So, yeah, we'll be able to get through this. So, you know, in a touch wood, you know, that's what we've been able to do. And again, you know, can emerge stronger from it. Yeah, so I suppose that experience of having gone through a crisis before and managed that crisis well, I suppose it meant that when this came around the corner, you sort of had that kind of morale in-house already, that resilience was already built in, and that probably sort of helped with the uh, the response. And 
therefore it was probably a lot easier for everybody to just kind of knuckle down and focus and really sort of engineer those changes that you've had to make to sort of keep those services going. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that um, made it, yeah, two things that made it easier. I think what, you know, the first, you know, as, as we just called out, was, was the experience of having done it before and, and, and just taking confidence from that. But I think the second is that everybody was impacted on that by it. So, so it really narrowed the focus. I mean, there wasn't any possibility of doing an in-person experience. So it wasn't like, you know, you had to hedge some bets or you know, make some decisions. It's like, the only way we're going to be able to do this is by focusing on, on the virtual. And so I guess that, you know, really helped to focus in on, on developing something. And, and you know, that's, that's what you need, you think, is, is, is focus, you know, to be able to create things. So, so in that sense, it, you know, that was, that was enabling, you know. Yeah, absolutely so. And uh, what you mentioned as well, um, that also did resonate with uh, myself personally is what you said about the value of both those in-person immersive experiences and also the virtual as well, because there's a Mm. huge parallel at the moment with um, essentially the state of the workplace of the future, isn't there? There's a lot of talk about sort of how, you know, we're virtually and remotely working now and how there's a huge amount of value in that, but also the value of having a physical workplace, being able to sort of physically interact with your colleagues, innovate together. That isn't essentially lost either, is it? So that's just another parallel and an example of how, you know, as social creatures, as human beings, you know, we do need that in-person interaction as well. We do need kind of a physical workplace and we do need those real in-person experiences. Yeah, we do. And, you know, I think every workplace at the moment is trying to work out what does that balance look like that's right for their organization, their team, um, in between, you know, people being able to come together um, and um, physically and, and do the things there that are important um, and, um, you know, be able to work virtually uh, and, and getting that balance right and doing the things right is the journey that, 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 that people are going through at the moment. Uh, exactly right. I think every single workplace has that. Um, in, in our own organization, we've always worked as a team virtually. So, you know, there are 10 of us in, a, in our core team. Um, and, you know, we're spread over you know, three different continents. Um, but we've, we've, we've always worked virtually as a team. We come together to create, you know, the in-person experiences. We come together from time to time for, for team meetings and things, but you know, largely the way that we work has been virtual. So it was easy for us personally to make that transition. Um, but, um, you know, many teams clearly were very used to doing everything in person and, uh, and then had to find a way of doing things virtually and are now sort of in a place, or do we go back to being in person or do we find this, this blend? Um, some groups, you know, like I said, always had to be virtual because they're globally um, distributed, but, you know, what people will travel for, why people will come together will be different, you know, in the future. And, and people will be more precious about their time. Um, and rightly so. You know, the, there's, a, there's obviously a cost, both in terms of your time and in terms of your carbon footprint of, of traveling anywhere, you know, to have a meeting. Mm. There's absolutely value, you know, there's value in really being able to empathize with people. Um, there's value in in terms of creativity, you know, there's value in connection, um, trust, uh, and so forth that comes from being um, in person. But, um, you know, there's a lot that we can do virtually now, and people will be 
you know, mindful and cautious, I think, of saying, well, you know, I'll jump on the next train, I'll jump in the car, I'll jump on a plane to go and have a uh, an in-person session. There needs to be something, you know, important and valuable, you know, about that. And to begin with, I think everyone will be eager for it. You know, everyone will be eager to come together and be able to do those things together. You know, sometimes it's the unstructured time that you're able to have in person mm. that is the thing that's most missing. But, you know, after that's happened a little while, I think people will be much more discerning about, you know, what they travel for and what they don't and um, and deliberate and intentional about why you come together physically versus doing something virtually. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how perspective on that starts to shift over the next few months and indeed years now that in the UK anyway, mm. we're sort of seemingly out of the other side of the uh, the COVID-19 situation for the time being. And as we start to sort of embrace the challenges of the uh, the post-pandemic world, of course, there are lots of other challenges on the uh, the horizon, some of which we're dealing with right now, of course, rising sort of costs of living, for instance. Um, but as we sort of get to grips with the post-COVID world and all that that will bring, I'm interested to understand, Matthew, just before we finish, um, what sort of your ambitions are for the emerging world business and sort of where you see yourselves in the uh, the long-term future and what you're sort of really hoping to achieve initially over this uh, this year, 2022, in pursuit of that uh, that long-term aim. Yeah, great. Well, actually, um, sort of through the course of, of last year, we went through a strategic planning process internally, having sort of, we put everything um, on hold at the start of the pandemic. Um, it was about sort of, how do you get through it, you know? And, and, and so we sort of took away the long-term plans and it was more about, yeah, how do we focus on the next quarter? How do we focus, you know, on getting through? How can we innovate new products, et cetera? Uh, but then we found ourselves in a position in the middle of um, 2021 where, you know, we'd sort of developed and um, proved our virtual work um, and could, you know, dare to sort of think about, um, you know, what the, what the longer-term future would look like. And, of course, you know, the pandemic rumbles on and new variants and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, we have that, that longer-term plan now. Um, and um, for us as an organization, it's about, it's about developing and growing. But for me, it's about creating a sustainable organization that um, can continue to have the positive impact that it has, but at a, at a greater scale. Um, and, you know, sustainable organization is one that isn't reliant on any one particular, you know, individual in order to be um, successful, that sort of lives on, um, has the policies in place, has the you know, brand in place, has the processes for being able to deliver um, on what we do in, in place and a culture that, that sort of feeds that, that can live on in, in, in perpetuity. And, and that's not because, you know, I personally want to, leave the business but it feels like the next leadership challenge for me is to create that more sustainable business where as a founder um i'm no longer sort of leading from the front as perhaps i've I've traditionally done but will find a way to lead more from behind um, and enable other people to take that organization forward so so that that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to achieve yeah and it can be one of the hardest things to do can't it sort of letting go as a leader in that sense and taking on that more strategic position so um like I say with that transition Matthew I do wish you all the luck in the world and being able to execute that to the best possible effect and um, I have to say just given how informative it's been welcoming you onto the show with us today um, I relish the opportunity actually to welcome you back onto the program maybe in future to sort of talk about how the uh, the business is coming along in this sort of ever-changing world we find ourselves in. No, thank you very much, um, Scott. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for giving me the um, opportunity. 
It's been wonderful hearing all about yourself and your business, Matthew, and how you've got to grips with this last couple of years. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm sure the listeners do share that sentiment as well. And um, do, by all means, take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world too. Thank you. Thanks very much, Tom. It was an immense pleasure welcoming Matthew Farmer from Emerging World onto today's programme. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. Um, if you are tuning in and you also own your own business or organisation that has its own story of success and innovation to share from the last couple of years or indeed before, then we here at the Leaders Council do want to hear from you also. So why not apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because we would love to hear your story. Until next time, to all of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.